0: Welcome back to the Creator Trade Podcast. I'm Trey Cook, and today I have Dave O'Death, a very popular, very artistic person on TikTok. Uh, nice having you here, Dave.
1: Thanks for having me. It's a super big honor.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Um, would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: So my name is Dave O'Death. You can describe me as a real-life wizard. That's what I prefer. <laughs> That's essentially what I'm trying to set up with my life. Uh, I was watching. I play a lot of D and D, a lot of RPGs, and a lot of fantasy. And whenever you get into, this would probably be the more general explanation of it: a spiritual practice or a uh, magical practice, magic with a K specifically. You you really want to tap into your like your child self, right? And that's where I come from, like D and D. That's that's how you talk directly to child me. <laughs> so so I I, I chose wizard because a lot of people would say I I technically practice witchcraft in essence, but I call myself a wizard because I feel like witch is an earned title, and I definitely am a heretic. <laughs>
0: You actually had a video on that, but I don't really think so. What I've heard from a lot of people is it's really just the practice that you make it. So I've got a couple of uh, more general questions and then I'm going to get into some deeper stuff. And then at the end, we have time. My mom had some questions she wanted me to ask for it. Uh, Nice. uh, From a lot of your uh, videos, it looks like your art and your practice are pretty intertwined. Do you do any design outside of your practice now?
1: It's actually what got me into it. I'm really glad you asked. So I practiced when I was like 12 because media was popular, you know, the craft and all that stuff, those movies. But setting up my altar as a young one felt a little too religious and I was not ready for that sort of structure. So I just set it aside and then it started getting popular again uh, now. So the, I was 12 in the nine, uh, early 2000s. It would have been like 98, 99 actually. Um, so to put that in perspective. <laughs> but fast forward to later, I ended up following a stand-up career doing comedy and production. And that led me into doing art uh because it was a little bit easier than the performance aspect of stand-up. And it came easier to me naturally art because I've been doing it since I was a kid. So I seen my friend put up an art show and make some money on that. And I'm like, well, if I think I can make money telling jokes, then I could definitely make money painting pictures. So, so I split and I started working on that. And uh, through this process, I got commissioned to draw a lich, uh, which is a, an undead wizard. Essentially. It's a zombie wizard, but he still has magic in the afterlife. Um, So I got commissioned to draw this character and they wanted me to put like ancient symbols on it essentially but i am like really really thorough and so i went and found the most ancient and the most authentic symbols i could uh fully not respecting the legitimacy of these symbols and their practice and just using it on an, on a piece of art and then i got woken up uh to some pretty wild phenomena and I'm going to call it phenomena because it was experienced by me. But if you didn't experience it yourself, it would be hard to explain to anyone else. And, uh, basically to get it for this conversation, it was strong enough to make me realize how real these symbols were. And it made me stop drawing entirely because I needed to learn the symbology behind every shape that I'm drawing just so I don't cause an accident because this stuff is a lot more, uh, powerful and real than you would ever realize. And so that's what got me into learning a foundational magical practice because I needed to know what these symbols meant. <laughs> I started with the pentagram and then I dialed back to the triangle and then I worked on the septagram and I promise you everything that I've done since then has been just to study those three symbols. That's how far the pattern like recognition goes. So, so yes, they're deeply intertwined. I, all of my skills are in art. And so I developed a magical knowledge, and now I'm expressing my magical knowledge through my skilled art.
0: That is absolutely awesome. <laughs> it's
1: funny.
0: Now <laughs> that you mention it, it's like, well, there's something else to add to the research list. Uh, skills <laughs> and all that fun stuff is just something that you uh, do a lot when you're t- like, I'm learning Procreate and Vector and that kind of fun stuff. Um, so i'm gonna actually touch on that later because i uh, saw that video you did um but for now just keeping to the light stuff uh you've mentioned skyrim and god of war ragnarok are you a gamer
1: oh man yeah (laughs) i grew up i had atari 2600 in my house as a kid and my brother uh saved up for the nes like when it came out pretty much and ever since then yeah i had a uh n64 because uh when it came out my parents man they worked hard for that too i got to give them props they got GoldenEye 007 straight up but (laughs) nowadays keeping up with all the consoles i have my ps4 with me but i haven't even hooked it to a tv in like six months because i've just been playing on my pc mostly but i still use a controller because i'm a degenerate
0: (laughs) i disagree so you could say uh you say you use a controller i play mobile mostly oh nice (laughs) so you get it (laughs) i get it um so what games have you been playing recently
1: uh most recently i just actually I, i literally just beat skyrim like last month again because i have it has been so long it's like i don't remember every minute of it and uh It felt really weird because I was like, kill a dragon? I work with dragons and they're like, yeah, play the game. Because when you go through the story, he is making a bad name for dragons with his actions, right? So if he were to continue, he would end up being the end of all dragons. And so stopping him is what actually is helping the dragons so it was it was a that was the magical, the spiritual lesson I got from playing Skyrim, which is hysterical. But and another one that I have right now is a real indie game. It's called Graveyard Keeper. It's off a of, I think it's off of itch.io, but it's essentially like a Stardew Valley for a grave, just a little bit more grindy. And I honestly I play that game as a dedication to my death practice. So I upkeep this graveyard and make it really nice as a virtual graveyard to upkeep and in addition to i go out in real life too and pick up trash at graveyards every once in a while but (laughs) this is a little bit easier from the house
0: (laughs) crazy um that (laughs) we're definitely going to have to do this again because this, uh just talking to you is bringing up a whole bunch more questions (laughs) so you have a lot of sigils on your online store um, and the most recent one that I thought was really cool was a transformation butterfly sigil. Um, what, how do you decide on new sigils to make?
1: It's, it's purely what I need. <laughs> I'm, I'm really sharing like every piece of what I've come up with. And um, there was a jazz drummer a while, a while ago that would say, I don't remember his name. I, I wish I could figure it out. And I don't even have the exact quote, but the gist of it was if you can master the bass drum, the snare drum, and the hi-hat, then you can start adding toms. So he's essentially saying if you get this really perfect rhythmic foundation, then you can start to really flourish and like grow from there. And so be, uh, writing your, your wish on a bay leaf is like beginner magic. Like that's where you that's where a lot of people start. They start with just honoring the four elements from writing a wish on a bay everybody's made a wish. That's a, that's essentially magic in its in its own right, and then you write it on a bay leaf. You just take it to that next level. So, and another way to take that up one more level is to turn that wish into a sigil and then draw that on the bay leaf. And so, being a designer, um, especially a typography designer, uh, it was really interesting to me to take essentially what's just line work because I did cartoons a while ago, and the uh, the real currency of inking in cartoons. Is your like your varied width of your lines, like where it gets from thin to thick in the line work, you can see that from creator to creator and it's a signature. And so with my sigils, I'm trying to like push the limits, essentially. It's like an artistic study with these sigils and I want it to be really genuine, but I also follow results really heavily So the only thing that I know how to make is something that I actually need. (laughs) And so every single one that you've seen me put out, it's it's because I need it. And so that's where it comes from. And then I design it and then I test it for myself first. And then I share it with everybody else. So like, that's another thing you should know about the stuff on my page. And another reason why I'm not worried about trolls ever, because I developed and tested all of these things before I ever presented them. And so if you can't break it apart because I've already tested it. And this is this is me sharing the thing that works.
0: Absolutely. That is that is incredible. And the amount of time that must take. I I remember in a very old video that you used a an old like Android style nine by nine or three by three grid to make your sigils instead of what a lot of people do with the clock based thing. Do you still do that?
1: Yes. Yes. And it was, and it is purely because I did the clock design, the the round si- circle style first, but the, they all look the same. They all look like lines that are going to the edge of a clock. It's all like essentially circular in its silhouette. And so like from a graphical stand of, I'm also autistic. Right. And so my understanding, it really, it really gets me in language and, um, and shape language specifically like my favorite media is cartoons because it's so easy for my brain to understand the differences in the shapes and so like uh oh man i totally just lost my train right in the middle of it you were talking about
0: how your brain sees the uh, differences in the shapes
1: right so a lot of the uh, design principles that i'm putting in is uh, oh because we're talking about the nine by nine grid right so when I designed it on nine by nine grid, I found them to be more visually different between each other than they were on that circular design. And so with that nine by nine, I was like, well, this is definitely the better way to draw something that looks kind of like a letter. Cause remember I come from typography and graphic design. And so uh, that is how I ended up like the fr- first ones were just scriptic; They just look like brushes, but my fortune sigil is more, dis- it's implicitly based on a black letter style typography because uh, my ancestry is German and black letter is like how they wrote their traditional monk, you know, texts and stuff like that. So I felt like just that, sh- the, those, those shape, that shape language would have my power in it of itself and be accessible to me as a person of German ancestry. So I, to ask for fortune, I had to, you know, ask for it from my, inheritance not from somewhere else and so black letter was the choice for that one but this most recent butterfly it's 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 meant to like crystallize a transformation it's honestly it's a shape and a style that i wouldn't totally put out it's totally different it looks kind of lisa frank but that's that serves the intention so well because it should be something that you're kind of nervous about. It should be kind of new. It's like whenever you hear an album from your favorite artist and it's like bad essentially at first, but it doesn't take 40 listens before it's your favorite of their stuff because they knew they're the ones that have to listen to their own stuff forever. And they know where you're going to end up when they write that new album. And so when you end up there too, it all makes sense. And you're like, yeah, that new stuff used, I used to hate it, but honestly now it's the one I put on first. <laughs> that
0: makes sense. Uh, there's a lot that goes into these. So you would definitely say that art is what drew you to making sigils or would that is absolutely, that what say? absolutely.
1: At, yes. Art is my life. I mean, everything is art. Like your whole life is art. It's, it's, it's just what you do with a thing. And I guess the only real defining factor of it is that it wasn't needed. You know, like no one, no one needs their tools to be beautiful. Uh, And so to do it, it takes like a will and an effort. And then you can see it. And then to see your skill develop over time, you can see that this is a person that's put the will and effort into it over time. And it's like, It's its own form of media. You know, if communication through letters and words is so incredible because you can literally hear someone speak to you across centuries by reading their letters, that is that is magic in my opinion. Like, we're already there. You know what I mean? You know? And so everything else that we're doing with magic is just art. And so, like, I feel like a lot of people are afraid to play with it because it was their grandpa's clothes. You know what I mean? But it's like, no, cut them up. Turn them into patches because they would be happy to see it have new life. It's, it's, that's the whole, that's what I understand to be the motivating factor of most things is to make things better than they were to leave spaces better than you found them and to decorate things. That's, that's like so human.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Holy crap. This this is going to give our listeners a lot to
1: think about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd like that.
0: (laughs) Um, So, uh, sorry, did you say, was there something else you were going to?
1: No, no, no. Just rambles, Time, space filling.
0: <laughs> um, so you mentioned your story about uh, shades attacking you after you had drawn a glyph. Um, I was wondering if you had any um, paranormal, I guess, or spiritual. I, I don't know if spiritual paranormal is even the right word, but any experiences that kind of were, yeah, I guess, out of the ordinary, like spiritual type stuff
1: so by far I, I don't, what we would have, uh, what, pardon me, what we would call in the, in the Claire community would be clairvoyance, which is the ability to see things on the other side. Uh, I don't have that ability. The only reason that I saw that day was because I woke up in a half fugue state at like three in the morning. And it was because they had corporealized so strongly, probably by the magic of the rune. Uh, to me, it, it completely threw me off because I had never seen anything like that before. And honestly, I was very anti-religious, very anti-theist overall. Because like, when I tried out uh, Wick, Wiccan and Green Witchcraft when I was 12, I was coming from going to every Christian church. I had already been to I grew up in a Roman Catholic family when I was about six. I asked my dad, like, if you're if mom's Baptist and you're Roman Catholic, what does that make me? And he goes, you can be whatever you want. And I was like, so that means I don't have to go to church, you know, because I was bored there. But I also saw my brother going to catechism, which looked like a lot of fucking work. And I didn't feel what they were talking about. You know what I mean? Like I I did all the, I tried so hard and I didn't feel it. And I, even after that point went to an Anglican Catholic church from my other friends. And then I went to a couple other friends, churches, Baptist, Methodist, uh, non-denominational. I tried all these things. I never felt anything at any of these places. And so for me, I felt like they were all just lying. Like I was like, they're all just pretending like that has to be it. And so I had this real anti-theist viewpoint for the longest time. And it wasn't until, um, those like, well, first I picked up a quartz during 2020, during the pandemic and stuff like that, because uh, my dad does practice a form of spiritual stuff. And so we've always had courts in our life. That's also why I was able to do witchcraft when I was 12. Like a lot of families wouldn't allow that kind of stuff, especially coming from a Roman Catholic family, but they were totally cool with it. But that also felt too structured and re- like, like that was pretending too. But it wasn't until I was woken up by those shades that I actually saw something. It was like, what the fuck was that? Pardon my French. If, uh, but we, I, I, all I had was this this dream catcher above my bed with bells underneath it, and I knew bells is what churches used, and so I was like ringing bells throughout the house like a maniac, and that is like the catalyst for me getting into it. But I have to say, from that day, I've only had one other experience, and it wasn't out in the world. It was more like I saw something. I thought I. I saw something that I thought should be there. Does that make sense? I bit. I was looking at a physical place on the ground. And then I thought, what if this thing was there in my head? So I'm now looking at the place on the ground inside of my head, but I see something there that's not there in physical reality. So like, but I brought it up to somebody later and it was a person and they said, that's exactly how they would have behaved. And so I'm like, is this how this really works where you're not actually seeing like corporeal things, but you're like seeing the space, knowing there's a thing there. So what I do have is clairsentience. I have the ability to feel energies. So when something comes into the room, I know it's there. And so I've had friends at this point who can see. And when I go, I feel something they'll look and then they'll confirm. And I'm like, Whoa. So after a while of that, I started to realize that my feeling is incredibly strong. So, I'm, I'm essentially spiritually blind, but I have like crazy good feeling when it comes to the, the, the aether, the, the astral realm, the realm that exists just above ours that I believe is the same as where we go in dreams. It's like, that's all a whole other tangent, (laughs) but other than like, so seeing physical things, the shades was the only thing, but the experiences I've had, oh, and I'm a clairaudient, so I hear but what I hear heard for the longest time was just song lyrics. And it even led me to listen to only instrumental music. Cause I was like, stop it. It's too accurate. It would be like a moment where I'm like looking at the ocean and it'd be like the ocean rolling in or something like that. You know, it was just like too much or, or somebody would, this is when it got creepy. It was when somebody was like actually trying to harm me. And they, in my, like a song lyric came on that was like, get out of there or they're, they're against you. I don't remember exactly what it was. And like, it was enough for me to leave the situation. And then later something that person did do something and to somebody else. And I'm like, uh, so uh, then I said, I need to hear y'all. Oh, what just happened? It's oh. still on. Okay, cool. What is going on right now? Stop that. It's my videos freaking out for some reason. <laughs> That's probably something. Um, that is really weird.
0: I, it's actually really odd that you'd say it. Cause I've, find myself to be clairsentient too one of the things do you ever like hold relics and stuff like that and get a feeling mm. off of them
1: yes 100% yes
0: I my grandma has rosaries that she um, had blessed and I can feel the energy of the, the blessing in it which is crazy to say it sounds right
1: insane, but but it's totally there yeah the 100% because like I'll have a stone so I carry a black stone with me me it uh, obsidian mostly uh, and it's you know how, like the grocery store is like hard to go into because that because so people are fucking shopping part i mean i keep i keep swearing i apologize people are shopping in the in the grocery store energetically and it's mostly because they're like looking for stuff and i think that just activates the same kind of like extra mission kind of outward transmission and you're just feeling that. And it's just a, like a lot of data in general because they're because they're hunting. their like whole awareness is spread across a whole aisle and you have to like walk through their awareness and you can feel it. But like I th- that's what makes the grocery store so tiring for a lot of clairsentient people that don't even realize it. You carry a black stone with you and it will take care of that. But the thing is, you have to rinse it off when you get home. <laughs> because i will pick up a black stone that i carried with me to a place that i forgot to rinse and you're talking about feeling the power and the artifact you're like oh wow but it's not until you actually tell that black stone i want you to catch bad stuff it's because a lot of people will talk about how the crystals don't work for them all that and all that they're not putting intention into it a piece of plastic will work for you if you intentionally ask it to do a thing and then believe that it will work That's the other trick. That's why crystals usually work for people because people can look at a crystal. It feels otherworldly and you can know that it will work because you can, In like you said, a rosary, those are plastic beads a lot of the times, but you can feel the stuff coming off of it because it's being used intentionally. And it's it's more controllable than we realize. (laughs) And it's a lot of, honestly, it's what causes a lot of conflicts is there's a lot of energetic dynamics underneath the surface that sometimes when you bring them up to the to the surface, those conflicts dis- dissolve entirely. And the words that were even wrapped in those conflicts don't even make sense anymore because it was purely an energetic thing. It's, it's really wild. I feel like we're only decades away from it just being part of medical science. Like they're going to accept Chinese medicine and it's going to just be part of medical science.
0: That's awesome. I'm going to ask you one question really quick because we are running on on the late, uh, we're running out of time real quick. So I've got a couple of quick fun questions for you from my mom. Um, the first one is, um, what do you think of the uh, board game that people use? I can't think of the name right now, the board game that people use to commune with spirits, the, uh,
1: Ouija. Yeah. So Ouija board was a planchette before it was bought by Hasbro. So it was already a spiritual tool before it was bought by Hasbro, but I'm glad you asked that because it honestly being a toy, you really know the legitimacy of it because people won't allow it in their house. <laughs> and so it's another, it's another concrete example of how much you can have power in this just printed item. Like it's, it is a toy, but how many people would be like, not my house <laughs> And that right there. That's truth. You can't fake that. Well, and, and
0: like, just because it's a toy, just because people put their belief in it, it can still cause problems.
1: Everything's a toy. Everything was made up. All words. All things. Everything is just dirt and trees. That's the only stuff we didn't make.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, um, next question. My mom was wondering if you knew a good uh, Snap bond sp- uh spell.
1: Snap Bond?
0: Uh-huh. Like to uh, like, Snap Bonds with people that you don't want, I guess.
1: Oh, cut ties. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh Yeah, essentially all you have to do is just say all my power is mine from now until the end of time. And and it'll come back to you. It, you know it'll come back to you. And by saying that, anybody that was trying to take it, it'll remove it from their possession and give it back to you. Uh, and by you filling yourself up with your own power, it will repel because you'll be a full vessel. It will repel any powers that you don't want or that aren't meant for you or that will harm you. And so you just, all my power is mine from now until the end of time. A good snap. Snap will set it into your subconscious. It's like when you distract an animal. It's like uh, any loud sound, anything like that. You have a thought, distract yourself instantly. It'll go into your subconscious. That's how you activate the thought. So you have an intention, you want to use it, snap it into existence. It works better than anything you could ever do. And if you want to, you can get two candles and do the whole cord cutting thing and watch it burn because ritualistically, it's cathartic. To do that sort of spell and it is powerful it does work and if that is what it takes for you to feel like it happened that's that's the whole point of witchcraft
0: <laughs> Mom's gonna love hearing this because i got a couple other questions in before i end off because i know that zoom's going to be sending me that uh warning we're going to kick you out in a few minutes <laughs> um <is there> thing <laughs> that you would like to promote or talk about before we end this podcast
1: i just put up a post today on the Digital Grimoire that is a Greek alphabet oracle. So I went through a whole bunch of resources and I found these inscriptions and I cross translated them to make sure they were accurate. There's a whole chart that you can download so you can roll a D20 and a D6 and you can get your Greek alphabet oracle. (laughs) But that's on GrimHealer.com.
0: All right. I will be linking that as well as your TikTok because your TikToks are absolutely awesome. Thank you. Um, Thank you for uh, joining me. We will definitely have to do this again sometime because this has been flipping and (laughs) lightning.
1: Thanks, and I appreciate that very much. I'm down. Yeah, just hit me up. Let me know. This is fun for me too.
0: Thank you guys for listening to the Creator Trade Podcast, and I will see you next Friday.